This is Jimmy Corain, and you're listening to another great episode of Improv Nerd. Our guests today are Alan and Claire Linick. They're a married couple. Alan is in the current ETC cast at the Second City here in Chicago. Claire is a tremendous writer and improviser. She is the co-author of the book, The Awkward Phase. Together, they created a Twitter account where they would share their arguments, which led to CBS Television optioning them for a pilot, which then led them to writing a book together called Our Perfect Marriage from Quirk Books. We talked to them about how they first met at an improv show, why they write well together but not necessarily improvise well together, and the importance of putting your ideas out into the universe. Before we get to this episode, uh, today Lauren and I took Betsy, uh, which I cannot believe it, she's almost a year old, to this children's fair. Now, this children's fair has been around since I was a kid. So I was really excited to take Betsy and Lauren and share with them a memory from my childhood. And one of the best memories that I ever had of that Children's Fair was a thing called the Candy Castle. Now, by today's standards, the Candy Castle really is not very fancy and it's not very cool. Basically, what it was is it was four pieces of plywood that they nailed together and they painted it like a castle and they cut a front door and a side door and they painted the words Candy Castle on the front of it. But here's the best part. When you got inside the candy castle, on the grass was a huge pile of candy. Uh, things like uh, Smarties and Sweet Tarts and Jolly Ranchers, which were this hard, this hard candy that came in like watermelon and tangerine flavors. And they give you a small white wax paper bag. And they, they would have somebody inside there with a stopwatch and they'd give you 60 seconds to fill that bag with as much candy as you possibly could shove in that bag. Now, as a fat sugar addict, this for me was like a crack house. And I got to tell you something. Not only did you get an adrenaline high from the greed and the and the gluttony, you also got this sugar high that lasted for a couple hours. So this thing for me was was always a highlight. Uh, so. After a couple of years, I don't know what happened. I don't know if some corporation took over or uh, an accountant took over or whatever. But the candy castle, it was still there. But when you went into the candy castle, they didn't have the pile of candy. They had the bags already pre-made. Almost like somebody had said, you know, we're, we're, there's too many fat kids that are, are sugar addicts like myself, uh, and they're too aggressive, and we're losing money on this thing, so let's just pre-make the bags, which totally ruined the whole thing for me. So when we got to the fair today, I saw the candy castle, and I have to say, my I, there was kind of a bittersweet feeling, because certainly it was fond memories, but the last couple of years, the candy castle really... <laughs> had, as far as I'm concerned, had deteriorated. It, it wasn't, it didn't have the same luster. It, it had, had, it was under new management. And, and Lauren's like, when we got there, she was more excited than I was. You got to take a picture of the candy castle. You got to take a picture of the candy castle, which I did. 
and I and 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 I looked inside it, and inside of it, uh, I, I I'm happy to report to you guys, they had a children's plastic blue swimming pool filled with candy. Now it wasn't the candy, the name brand candy that that you know were the glory days of the candy castle. It was a lot of candy that I didn't recognize, and some of it wasn't in English. But here's the thing that I was happy about. They were going back to the tradition of, here's, you had to fill a little paper cup. It was much smaller than the plastic bag, but it was the same concept. You got 30 seconds or 60 seconds. There was a kid in there with a stopwatch, and you filled it. You, you filled that cup. You shoved as much candy as you possibly could in that cup. So I just want to say I was really happy that they're going back to the roots. They're going back to the tradition of the candy castle. All right, enough about the candy castle. How about Alan and Claire? Here is the Alan and Claire Linux episode. You're going to love this. They say really great things. We improvise well together. And their parents, Claire's parents, come all the way down. The Myers come all the way down from Indianapolis, Indiana, which is like three, three and a half hours to Chicago. They bring a lot of their friends, and they're in the audience. And so we not only interview Claire and Alan, we also ask them a couple questions, too. You're going to love this episode. The Alan and Claire Linux episode. Enjoy. Your parents have a great sense of humor. Aren't they sweet? Is that where you got your sense of funny? Because your dad just played along with me with the whole carjacking and stuff like that at the top of the show. No, um, I actually got it from myself. Thank you. <laughs> No, definitely. They are both hilarious. Um, now, you both are improvisers, writers, performers, and you both moved to Chicago at the same time to do improv, but you didn't know each other. Claire, tell us how you first met Alan. Um, absolutely. We were at the Playground Theater, both watching a show that Alan remembers as being one of his favorite shows of all time. And I hated it. And I, you know, I had had two or three or four beers. And I just screamed out from the back row. What did I just? You just went, she goes, oh, God. (laughs) And Alan turned around laughing. And we talked about it after the show. And that was it. And tell us about the first date, because it was kind of special with the records. Uh, Yeah, so our first date was actually at Claire's house, and I brought a loaf of bread. (laughs) Uh, What kind of bread? Like special bread, not like Wonder Bread? It was like an Italian round uh, bread that I sliced up, and I like stuffed cheese and bacon pieces into, uh, and we baked it, um, and we just ate cheesy bacon bread and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> listen to records uh, in her house. I ended up, this is going to sound like a euphemism for something, but it's not. Um, I showed him my fossil collection. Yeah. <laughs> your, your parents are here. You know that. Yeah. It's okay. literally, it's my fossils. Okay. And I'm a very, I'm a pretty good fossil collector. It's pretty cool. Now, when she showed you the fossils, what is going on in your head? I was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you brought music over, I'm old. So I imagine when I've heard that, because you both, we, I pre-interviewed you and you both told the story. Were they vinyl? Were you carrying like a box of records? Can you, and you tell us what? It's my record They're collection. They're records. Okay, can you? Um, so we listened to, let me see if I can get this right. For sure we listened to Harry Nilsson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minor we, Birds. 
we listen to Minor Birds, we listen to the B-52s, and I had just gotten an album that I thought was hilarious called The Discotheques and the Sexalettes. That's right. And I think that was all we listened to. Yeah, we listened, because we listened to both sides of like four or five records. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was it. Maybe we're missing one. And then when you got engaged, you re- recreated that whole scene? Yeah. Uh, so when I proposed to Claire, I got uh, a friend of hers to take her out of the house for basically the whole day. Um, and I kind of rearranged the house to kind of look, because we, we had already lived together by that point. That's okay, right? Um, that they were living together? Yeah. I'm just checking with your parents. Uh, it's a scandal! Uh, <laughs> but we, so we, we lived together by that point, uh, so it was a different place but I did my best to sort of like make it look the same um, and I put on some of the same records that we had listened to that night um, and I found I made that bread thing again uh, and I found we we found uh, the what was the wine Rongo Dongo, Rongo Dongo. which also sounds like a euphemism um, <laughs> but is just the company that makes them now my thought is was the ring actually in the cheesy bread <laughs> No. <laughs> no. I now looking back on it, I should have you hidden up, it Lenick. in the cheese somewhere. Did you know it was coming? We picked out the ring together, so I knew that, but I did not think it would be that day. Alan had told me he like told me that I was like in on the plan, and it was going to be two months later. So I was just kind of waiting, like, oh, we're we're both in on this, we're doing this. Here's, here's how every surprise works in our house. <laughs> every surprise that happens in our house goes the same way, and it's Claire requests a surprise. <laughs> and then uh, I basically, and I think very obviously, lie to her face uh, to say that it's happening either on a day it's not happening or that it's not happening, and Claire believes me. <laughs> Uh, and then is surprised anyway because she thinks it's happening a different way than it's happening. Now, are you actually surprised, Claire, or do you... I'll send you the engagement photo, and I think I think that'll answer the question. It's just me ugly crying, and I spent most of the engagement on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Can you explain that? Um, sure. I fell to the ground. <laughs> And just and be, cried. And just get. F- and I'm, I screamed no. Yeah, the first thing she said was no. <laughs> now, how did you feel about that? Because being married, if 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 my wife Lauren had said no, I, I might have taken it a little personally. Yeah. Well, I was confused. <laughs> because, like Claire said, she, we had like picked out a ring together and talked about it, and I was like, "Wow, okay." Um, I wish I'd known this. But. Uh, she she was yelling no more about I guess the like she didn't she wasn't ready for it to be happening but she said she did say yes and it worked out and everything well fine. Claire you're the one who wanted the surprise right okay no that one I did not say I wanted a surprise Alan just ruined a surprise birthday party for me and that's why he brings that up <laughs> I told Alan I wanted a surprise birthday party. I gave him the list of people, and I gave him the date. (laughs) And he wakes up, and he's like, I'm feeling sick. We can't make it to lunch, and we'll see about dinner. And then he just, like, left for the day and left me alone on my birthday. And then, surprise, 
he had something planned <laughs> towards the end. And I just feel like you're supposed to have like, we're going out for dinner. Surprise, all your friends are here. Not everyone canceled on you. <laughs> and I'll see you in 10 hours. And my argument is like, man, you just, if you know what you want, just tell the people. Like, just. And, and I did, and I didn't invite him this year to my birthday party. <laughs> so I, we, as you guys are going back and you're, you're, you're arguing and stuff like that, I think about the, you, you know, your Twitter account, which got national press. You guys would have arguments on Twitter. Yeah, well, we would have, I mean, we would have arguments regular, like in real life. Well, uh, we, we, we just saw a little of that. Right. <laughs> uh, and then we started doing a thing where we were chronicling um, what we were fighting about. So we weren't, we weren't like actively fighting on Twitter, but we would just like, in a sentence, we would say, every time we had a fight, like a day or two later, we'd be like, hey, remember when we argued about you know, um, whatever, leaving the front door unlocked, we should put that up, and we put that one up. Um, now Claire is shaking her head. That was clearly me, and I feel like you could have come up with a different example. <laughs> it's the most recent I'm one. I'm from Nebraska. You don't lock your front door. Yeah. So what, 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 what is something that would upset you about Alan that would end up on the Twitter? I honestly can't think of anything. Um, oh, Game of Thrones, like two weeks ago, he was like, you have to watch this scene, it's fine, nobody dies. And the person died. <laughs> he lied to me, and he's like, oh, no, 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 he didn't die in battle, he died afterwards from the wounds. But the, and that's exactly it, like, you're, you're a you, robot who is so serious about words. No, 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 hold on, because you said, <laughs> in regards to that show, you said, if you don't see anyone die on screen, there's no guarantees that they're not coming back in a later episode. And I was like, okay, great. Then maybe this guy doesn't die. Was I, was, well. You know why I think you guys are, are, are perfect for each other? Can, can I say, are you open to this? Yeah, sure. Because you don't, like, you don't take it personally. Like, the, the, the ribbing and the arguing and stuff, you don't take it personally. Is, the, is that the secret of your relationship, one of them? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Claire's laughing. I think it is. I don't know. I think it just like, I think there's a, there's like a weird taboo around uh, fighting or this like, um, I, I would consider like a misconception that if you're in a relationship and the relationship is good, then everything is great or good all the time. And I think uh, it makes, part of what that does is that when you do have arguments, they feel like terrible and painful because in your head you're like oh it's not supposed to be like this like if this was a good healthy relationship we wouldn't be fighting and i just don't i don't i've never found that to be true and i think taking the teeth out of it um makes it i don't know easier like we we just argue and then we're done arguing and then everything is fine so like yeah and it's also supposed to be taboo for two comedians to date and i always tell people don't date or sleep with a comedian but you can absolutely marry one <laughs> What is that taboo, Claire, about? I mean, I've heard it for, for years. Don't, don't sleep with somebody in, in, in your group. Don't date somebody in your group. What do you think that's about? I obviously don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume it's just because they think everything's going to be a joke. I, I really don't know what it is. I, if I had to guess, I would guess that it, it has a lot to do with, like, working with, like, if you're, Dating someone, the two of you work with a lot of overlapping people. And then if there's like a bad breakup, 
it can drive wedges between your relationships individually maybe that's just a guess do you have any boundaries like at home like okay Alan, I don't want you to come home and talk to me about ETC or tomorrow morning we can talk about it or I'll give you notes later on your writing, Claire. Is there is there boundaries? Because I think sometimes when two improvisers or two actors are married, it can it, it can be always about, you know, the process. No, we're pretty full-time writing partners too, so that's just kind of part of it. We're lucky enough. We both work from home, so we have a lot of time to talk about everything. <laughs> We've got nothing but time on our hands. So I've, I've never had that that I can think of. Yeah, I don't, I can't think of anything either that's like off limits or. I'm not good at reading lines for you. That is true. If, <laughs> if I ask Claire to like, if I'm like trying to get off book for an audition or a scene or something, um, I just don't ask Claire to read with me anymore. <laughs> what is it that she's not good about? Because my wife is, is the same Yeah, woman. what is she, it that she's not good enough She just about? like... <laughs> That's she, actually a great question, Jimmy. Let's dive like in. She just clearly you. doesn't want to do it. Uh, and it's like, I, I, like, I'm trying to learn, you know, trying to learn the lines. So if Claire reads a line back to me and then halfway through the line, she's like, this is dumb, like stupid line. Oh, I want to no, do no, that. No, then no, like, no. I can't, I can't, like, I'm like, I don't, that doesn't cue me because that's not on the page. Like, I don't know what's going on. Um, usually bad scripts. I feel like I'm allowed to say that. They're I'm, like these like commercials. Like, do you love using toothpaste, Jimmy? And I just, I can't, I can't read that bad of writing aloud all the time. <laughs> See, I get mad. Right. And what would happen to me is if that happened, because I'm judging the script anyways. I'm like, oh, this is a piece of shit. Then I have Claire going, oh, it's a piece of shit. And then it would affect my performance because I'm going in there going, that's a piece of shit, you know? Well, I haven't booked anything this year, so. Okay. <laughs> All right. You guys, you guys have also said that you don't improvise well together. Yeah, that's true. Why do we, you think that is? I, we have not put a finger on it. We can write together so well and rarely fight. Um, improvising, we're terrible. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I think, I, I think we have a, uh, maybe a tough time separating our real life personalities from our character personalities when we improvise together. Yes. Anyone else, if they get on stage and they're like, they want me to believe they're this character. I'm like, absolutely, 100%, that's who you are. And Alan's like, okay, pretend I'm a cowboy. I'm like, whatever, Alan. <laughs> like, I just, I don't, maybe that's what it is. I just can't do it. Yeah, I agree that it's Claire's fault. Okay. <laughs> but how does the writing, so you, you, you can't improvise together, or you're not, you, you say you're not good at it, then how do you, how, how, do, how does the writing together work? What strengths does each one bring? Why is it fun to, to write with Claire? I, oh, well, answer that question. That's a great question. Uh, I think we just bring, I think we bring different things to the table, and uh, we, we're really good. I think both of us, in, in different ways, are better editors than we are writers, if that makes sense. So, like... If Claire writes something, uh, it's really easy for me to put eyes on it and be like, I, I see what you're trying to do and I love this idea and like here's some uh, here's some suggestions and like this line is unnecessary and like to go through it and like change it for her. Um, but that that's really hard to do 
for for ourselves. Um, so similarly, if I write something and I'm like, Claire, will you take a look at this? She's able to be like, you know, um, this isn't what your, you know, your, your actual idea at its heart is in these three lines and the rest of this is just superfluous garbage, like rewrite, like blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's, I think it, it might go hand in hand with that, this idea of like that negative notes or like critic critique, critiquing each other or being critical of each other is okay and that we just excel at like being able to find what the other one is trying to do and then uh, actualizing that or like making that happen. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I think, I don't think I've ever hurt your feelings during a note and I don't think you've ever hurt my feelings during a note, but we both given <laughs> looking back some pretty harsh notes. Yeah. I, it just, yeah. I think the only, but that's just like the road to making something yeah. good. And as is improvisers, like, both of us are like, I love this idea. Let's heighten it. Let's take, like, let's look at it from this angle and that. We're just, I don't know. It works well for us. You know, something I found interesting about you, Claire, was you, there was one point where, you know, you've, you've done shows at Second City, and there was just a point where you, got, you realized, and if you could share this, that you really didn't want to be a performer. You wanted to be a writer. Sure. There was a time where I was doing a lot of performing and writing, and... It wasn't like a slow thing where it just skipped into writing. There was just kind of a moment where it's like, cool, I want to write more. And they asked me to be on a Second City cruise. And I was like, well, no, thank you. And they're like, well, if you don't do that, you can't be on Tour Co. I'm like, well, I don't want to be on Tour Co. And they're like, well, what are you doing here? I was like, oh, cool, I have no idea. <laughs> so I just kind of realized, I'm like, oh, this like improv, as much as I love it and I still do it, it's helped me so much find a different path. So it's not like I gave up improv or anything. It helped me find this like amazing path that I love, and it's now my full-time job of writing. And Alan, you, one of your goals was to work at Second City, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually um, I moved here because of the comedy studies program, um, and that that sort of opened my eyes to like the idea that doing sketch and doing improv could be a career, uh, which I had no idea about. Um, and then, so when I moved here, my goal was uh, just a tour. I was like, oh, I want a tour really bad. It'd be so cool to travel around and get to perform all the time and um, get to write my own material and put that stuff up. Uh, and once that happened, uh, I sort of had to sit down and be like, okay, well, you know, goal achieved. Now what? Right? So I was like, I guess the next logical step was um, maybe a stage or to move. Um, and, uh, I, we, we were really leaning more in the direction of moving. We were, I already picked out the house. Yeah. We Where were are you guys going to move to Claire? Anywhere. <laughs> um, we were looking at California, mm-hmm. but I think it's interesting. And you, when we did the pre-interview, you said to yourself, I don't have a chance for a stage and you can, and, and it wasn't about your talent. It was about networking. Yeah. Well, I, and uh, I think those things go hand in hand in a lot of ways. But like, I remember when I, well, not when I was leaving touring, but when my director at the time was uh, stepping away so that uh, another director could take over, I asked for feedback and I was like, you know, I'm always looking to improve myself and uh, get better at this. Well, what do you think uh, the next steps are for me? And he basically said, you know, um, keep, keep working the writing, keep working the improvising, but the thing that you're missing right now is 
you're just you're not <laughs> personable enough. You're not personable <laughs> enough. Well, not in those words, but just that I didn't I didn't like. You're socially awkward. Is that what he was I, saying? Maybe, no, or okay. I think I just I don't. Claire, what do you think he was he saying? He is logical to a fault. I always describe you as a drunk Spock, <laughs> where you have like absolutely like. Everything's like, well, that's not logical, so why would I go get drinks with people afterwards when I could just go home and sleep? <laughs> like, he just, like, misses that side of it where it's, like, that's a big part of, like, the team building and yeah. the fun. And, like, Sweet Alan is so logical. So that's what he said. I mean, that's basically what he said was, you know, go 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 around, pop your head into producers' offices, say hello, make sure you're actively inviting them to come see the things that you do. Um, and I was like, oh, great. And uh, and after our meeting, I was like, well, that's never going to happen. So I just, <laughs> <laughs> I just gave up on it. I was like, well, maybe if that's it, like, I don't think I can do that. So I just kind of gave up on it. So when you get the call, are you like, is this a joke? I, because I had given up on it. Yeah, what well, say, Claire? we were on tour. It was tour. the nuttiest night ever. We found out at three a.m. or maybe well, two a.m. Well, I realized it at. You woke me up at you woke me up at two a.m. to tell me you got etc. Yeah, I, how, how do you find out at two a.m.? Yeah, well, they work twenty four hours because you're Alan. We were, we were on tour. We were on tour, and I forget. Do you remember where we were? I just remember we were in a hotel behind a Cracker Des Moines. Barrel. You guys were touring together. Yes, okay. we did. Uh, we did a show um, through Second City called "Unelectable You," and it was all about the this last election season, and uh, um, it was just a very politically satirical show. And we took it. We toured it around the country, and I had missed. I got a strange email from Allison, who um, Allison Riley, the producer, producers, we producer had the on stage a couple years. weeks ago. Yeah, um, and. It basically just said like, "Hey, tried to get a hold of you earlier. Would love to have a chat with you. Give me a call back uh, when you can." I, I would like, have thought I was being fired. That's how. That's where I, I go. I was like, "Oh, that someone's leaving and they want me to understudy the stage." Is was my first thought, and I was like, "Well, I don't know if I want to do that, so I'll just not respond." Um, so, <laughs> so I didn't. <laughs> And th- this is sort of the problem. <laughs> Alan's not my emergency contact, right. by the way. Yeah. My, mo- my mom, who lives in Indianapolis, is still my emergency contact. <laughs> yeah. So, well, so I was like, I don't think, I was like, I- I'll think about it, but I- this is no hurry. And then as we were going to bed, I was like, wait a minute. No, there, I, I re- was putting together some puzzle pieces because at the time, Redline, the show it, running uh, before us. It's show. Uh, ETC show. ETC show. Um, had started kind of like, People, people, cast members were leaving, were, and there was some like strange interpersonal stuff. I guess I don't. I was out of town, so I don't really know all of it. Um, but the show was clearly uh, on its way to turning over, and I was like, "Oh, they're they're going to ask me to do etc." So I woke Claire up and uh, was like, "I think they're going to ask me to do etc," and I think there's something we should talk about. You didn't put the puzzle pieces together that well. You also got voicemails and texts from people. It's not like you Sherlock Holmes did. I I feel like I did some grade A detective work. <laughs> Literally, he had like three voicemails where they're like, hey, we want to talk to you, like well, trying to get a hold of you. Ryan, and by the third Ryan one, they're like, we want you too. to be on ETC. Could you call us back? Oh. And I was like, this could be Light anything. Light bulb. <laughs> There was something you told me backstage that I thought was interesting was when you were on, you were doing the tour of Unelectable You, Claire, you had a th- you you could kind of predict the election. Based- it was right before the election, and I told you my family I was like Trump's going to win. And why did you think that? We were touring the show that did so well in Chicago. Um, they 
marketed it as an unbiased show, which I think is like funny if you know Second City and we're like, it's an unbiased po- like politics show. We're like, oh, Second City. Uh, like, but it definitely leaned towards Hillary. People were booing, people were walking out. We held a record in, what town was it in Georgia? We held a record for the most walkouts ever in that theater. But the people who stayed liked it. <laughs> We also had a show where two simultaneous ambulances were dispatched because someone did drugs in the bathroom and passed out, and then a lady uh, in the third row had, like, an emergency medical situation and needed a doctor. It was a great show. <laughs> what do you learn from that when you're doing a show and people are walking out? And it's not, it has nothing to do with your talent. It's the material. How do you, what do you learn from that? Um, what do you learn from uh, I mean, do you blame... I, if it was me, I'd be blaming the audience. No, I think your tour co-scenes... I was always like... When Alan would make me read his tour co-scenes with him, um, constantly, I was like, well, this just isn't like as hard-hitting as I'm used to. And Alan would be like, yeah, but it plays great in Nebraska. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... You kind of have to know your audience better and what's going to hit and what's not. And we just miss the mark. Yeah. I think you... It's... You can't really blame the audience for liking or not liking something or, like, having... It's... uh, uh, Blame is a hard word, I think, because if if your crowd doesn't like the show... If it's a sketch show, there's not a whole lot you can do to adjust it on the fly because it's scripted. Um, But... If they're not on board, it's sort of your job to find a way to reach the audience. Um, but I, I think the the learning moment for me was really that was this idea of like, oh, maybe maybe the the places I'm used to and the people that I know uh, aren't as widely representative of America as I thought, uh, and the the opinions of the average person as I thought, and. Uh, Towards the end of the tour, I think we were all sort of like, oh, man, I don't know if this is not such a surefire thing anymore about Hillary walking into the White House. Right before the election, I heard a woman say, Donald Trump's going to buy me a watch. And I thought, this is it. And that's my that's the only line I have for the whole election is Donald Trump's going to buy me a watch. He's going to fix it all. Yeah. And that was the literal thing that we ran into down there in that show. The other thing that I, I really admire about you guys and a lot of improvisers don't do this I think we're afraid to do it maybe because of the culture is you're not afraid to promote yourselves why do you think Claire is smiling Claire is smiling why are you smiling about that Claire who do you think promotes themselves I think it's obvious based on this interview so tell us your secrets of promoting yourself and putting yourself out there. It's so funny. And Alan is so talented and so good at other things. But if someone starts copying Alan and I both on an email for something business, sooner or later, they drop Alan. (laughs) And it's just me and them having a conversation because Alan never responds. And I I mean, I read them and I'm like, aha, information received. (laughs) Well, and I come a little bit from the book world side of things. And in the book world, you do your own marketing. And so that's just like instilled in me that I'm like, if I want someone to show up or do something, it's got to be me. And I don't know, like if I, my living is that. So 
it's just like another part of my day. And Alan, why don't you do it? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I. I've. I've. Marketing is kind of a chore for me. It feels and skeezy. It feels. It feels bad in my body. And I'm. I've always been more interested in like making things and doing things than trying to get people to see the things that I'm making or doing. Claire is shaking no, her head. I could get, if I could get a perm and wear shoulder pads every day, I would. And that would be the kind of like 1980s marketing agent I was. We got to take a quick break here and then we'll be right back after this. So Claire, for improvisers and, and comedians that listen to this podcast, uh, I, I really think, you know, I struggle with putting, continuing to put myself out there. Is there some tips that you've learned along the way? Because there's, there's judgment I think we do have. It's like, oh, I'm selling out, I'm cheesy, I'm pissing people off. How do you get over that stuff? I don't think people notice you as much as you think they do. Um, which is the main thing, like, people are really going to hate this. And I just kind of learned, like, oh, most people won't even notice this. Like, so I might as well do it anyways. And I just create as much constant content as I can that pertains to the subject without being like, go, guys, just go, please, God, buy my book. I, please, anyone? Like, and I have made that status probably word for word. Um, but instead, like, creating content around it that fits within that brand. Which is, when you mean content, writing blogs about it? Yeah, we, we have a little blog about it. I do freelance articles on the subject. Anything I can do with that. I just constantly create, which we do anyways as improvisers, but I just also put it online then. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. All right, we're going to improvise now. All right. Uh, so how are you guys feeling about this? Good. Part of me feels like, and I got to turn this over before we do this. Like, I'm gonna, we're all gonna improvise well together. I'm gonna be the, I'm gonna be the secret ingredient of why, of Alan and Claire. Why they, they, you know, when, when the three of us improvise, it's, it's, it's magic. So I'm just, I'm, I'm putting a I'm lot of pressure. On my, okay, yeah. great. No. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So what do we? Uh, what? Uh, how would you like to start in terms of uh, a suggestion? What do you guys uh, like to take? I don't know something something that makes someone happy. Great, something that makes someone happy. Dogs. Dogs. Great. Now you guys hear dogs. What goes on in your head? Um, I just jump to my dog personally. Mm -hmm. And then how do you use that to? How would you use that in the scene? Um, well, I really like my dog. Okay. <laughs> uh, which makes it a lot easier to care for him and stuff. Um, so we're gonna have a dog in the scene. Is that? I, I imagine when I hear dogs, and especially with a leading question, like what's something that you like or that makes you happy, um, I feel like it, it's almost a promise, uh, an implicit promise that there will be a dog somewhere in the scene. Okay, great. And Claire? I can never think that far ahead for something like this. I hear dogs and I'm like, I love dogs. And then that's just like the disposition of my character. Like probably maybe like a dog-like golden retrieve of a person. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, I've never, no. I've never spoken about that. So you, be, you become, you become the suggestion. Yeah, like a, like a human that's got that dog personality. Yeah. All right, let's go into the scene. You guys are great. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> oh, you're great as well. Thanks, thanks. Very nice job. Thanks. Yeah. Results will be 
Uh, I don't care. I don't even care who wins. Ooh, I just want to say God, that. Oh, my God. We're all winners, but I could really use that money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know if I mentioned earlier that I'm having surgery. No big deal. But, you no, know, no, whoever no, no, wins, no, no, wins. No. Carl told me. Carl told me. Yeah. I told everyone about your surgery. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So whoever wins, wins. But hopefully it's just the most deserving person. Yeah. Well, I hope you both win. Oh, uh, there's, no, there's only one That's best not, in show. There's only one best in show. You can't, you know, bests. Bests doesn't sound good. No, because your dog is your 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 dog is beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my dog. Yeah, my Her dog? dog. Both of yours. Both oh, of our dogs. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yours also lovely. Very oh, lovely. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really a cat person. Really? Oh. Yeah. Weird yeah. line yeah. of work. We keep that oh. on the QT. Yeah. 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 So what got you into training? Dogs. Oh, just to be around you guys. What? No kidding. Yeah. Oh yeah. No kidding. The last show, I was like, oh my God. You know, Sam and Carl, they are the coolest people. We, okay. I've never that heard is... anyone say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. 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 That's wow. great. I, I, you know, it feels good to feel like maybe someone has seen my work. I have, yeah. And so been I've, inspired to we've do. We've seen you all over the circuit. Yeah, yeah. You just, how did, how'd you find us? Well, I, on your Facebook. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, yeah. wow, wow. And you just wow. became a dog trainer just like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I see how, like, how happy you guys are together and stuff. Oh, yeah. well, now. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, if I hang around you guys enough, maybe I can be in a relationship. Think? Do you that, think? I mean, Do hanging think? hanging out with people in relationships is a surefire way to end up in a relationship. Strange. I mean, like a romantic relationship. Stranger things have happened. What's going on? I don't know. Do you mind? Did I, I say something? Did I say something to offend you? No. Oh. Is it the surgery? She's having this surgery in a couple of weeks. I know. I know. It's They're going to take her whole kneecap off and put a fake kneecap where the old kneecap used to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's very expensive, but it's 3D printed. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it's just a little bit of science and a little bit of prayer and a little bit of luck. And we just go from there. I'd like to come and visit you at the hospital. That would be so it's nice. No, Thank oh. you. Thank you. What a kind gesture. Huh? Huh? Can I? That, uh, that is a boundary that I am not comfortable with. I'm comfortable with oh. it. You should bring the dog. Really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, it'd be so fun. <laughs> you know, uh, you guys are, you know, you guys are all the way in Omaha and stuff. Like, I just, I don't have any place to stay. So if I, if I could just crash, you could in stay your with us. Hey, oh thanks. God. I don't want to be an imposition. We have, we have a whole separate. Ow, ow. Wait, wait. Uh, so just. So I'll tell you what. I'm gonna. Uh, I'll, um, I, the operation I know is thir next Thursday. That's right. That's okay, right. so I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll come by Sunday. <gasps> yes. You cool. should meet Sam's sister. No, let's I'd just love, play it. Let's just play it by ear. Are you setting me up? Sam's sister is single. Are you setting me up? Oh my God, you're setting me no. up. Sam, oh your sister's going to be there oh Sunday. Play this whole Thank you. Thank you both. This Thank is you. so serendipitous. This is, cool. this is so freaking cool. Mm -mm. See, I knew there was something about hanging out with you guys. You're like my, you're like my um, uh, rabbit's foot. Careful. Yeah. What? Rabbit's foot. 
Rabbit's that. blood? Ca- rabbit's rabbit's foot. foot. It's a lucky oh. thing. People it's like a shoehorn. I mean, yeah. a lucky charm. Okay. They cut. What they do is they slice the rabbit's yeah. foot off, yeah. and then they 3D print a new rabbit foot, <laughs> and they replace it with that. We got to hang out. We got to hang out more. You know what? Screw Sunday. I'm going to come up Friday and spend the weekend. Why don't yes. you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. Hey, no, do you, do you that like, doesn't. That work. makes so much more sense because then we can all drive up there together. Oh hey, my! Hey, it's, it's ten hours from here. Yeah. Do you like Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, do, do a perception <laughs> check to see how much Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, oh man, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm sitting on a mound of sheep. I can DM too if you like. Oh, which, no which way! Yeah. No freaking way, man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Because like all my friends in Dungeons and Dragons, they just like die. Yeah. <laughs> Or they ditch me. You're that kind of DM. Oh, yeah, they leave. Yeah, man. They leave, man. They do, they're going Wait, to better things. the thing. people you play with die. Everyone you've played with has died? Yeah. I'm so sorry. No. No, no. I'm fine with it, man. I'm totally fine with it. It makes you... What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I 100% subscribe to Man, you to are that. so cool. You are Thank my best you. friend for life. Dude, no. I feel like something's happening here. No, I it, do it too. Is. I it do is. too. Something, something is definitely happening here. No. And let's all stop and think about it before we say anything else. Can we make a promise? Yeah. Can we, we make a promise? I'm in, oh, is it a death pact? I don't even no. know what it is, but I'm in. I promise I will never die. Okay. okay. Well, I've got, oh I've got a bad knee. I can't I get over promise, there. I promise... That I have, I, I won't die either. Well, and I Honey. promise not to fall asleep when you're in the house. <laughs> what? What's going on? Everyone yeah. who's ever played with has died. It's so sad. Oh. My God. <laughs> and scene, great job. How did you guys feel about that, Claire? I thought it went okay. <laughs> We've Alan? done worse together. Yes. I liked it. I had a good time. I had a good time. Would, is there anything you would have done differently? I don't know. I'm bad at that. I have never... I used to critique myself a lot in scenes. Afterwards, I'm like, oh, there's a different choice I could have made, a different thing. I could have said this. I could have done that. And I just kind of decided that was a lot of a waste of time and not really honoring the scene we created together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, How do you process after a scene? Um, I, it's weird. I don't know. Uh, I don't know that I have like a set, um, like procedure that I go through or anything to break it down. I think if, I think that once we, it's weird also sitting and improvising because I think I, uh, I like to play with uh, physicality and my environment a lot mm-hmm. playing. Um, so just sort of like the question that eluded me for a piece of it was just thinking about what our immediate surroundings were like. Um, I think if I could have, if we had gone back and done it again, I would have made some declarative statement about like, Where we oh, wow, you know, j- either to put an object in the room for us to play with, aside from the dogs themselves, or like describe the room in some way. Yeah, yeah I've never um, sit, sat and played before. As an addendum to what I said, though, I would, if we were like, hey, let's write down the scene afterwards, then I'd be like, what's some different choices we could have done? What's that? But not if we're just improvising for funsies. Yeah. And how would have putting an object in the room and declaring what it was, how would have that helped the scene for you? I think, especially uh, in a sort of radio show style or like a bat style uh, performance, I think it anchors uh, the imagination um, not only for, not only for the audience, but for us, uh, so that they're the the space we're inhabiting. If we all 
can anchor it around a shared idea of what that space looks like or what's in it. Um, it prevents, I think it prevents confusion down the line about like us having different notions about where we're at or what's going so on. So go yeah. back to the beginning of the scene. What would you have said to anchor it? So there was some implications about this being some sort of dog show, uh, like green room yeah. thing. I, I think I would have just leaned harder room. in that. Yeah, something like that. Um, I think I would have just leaned into that harder. Um, made some sort of declarate, declar- declarative, declarative statement. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that does help a scene a lot. Do you mind if I go on a tangent about the new ETC? Yeah, ETC? go ahead. There's a scene. I saw the ETC, and I was like, I loved the scene. You're on a car dealership. And I saw it, and I went back a month later, and I was like, oh, they're not wearing the red hats they were wearing the first time. And I realized you guys were never wearing those hats. You just all, everyone that worked at the car dealership touched their head or like, like mime taking the hat on or off and I remembered it as the scene where they were all wearing red hats like matching as car dealers and it's so weird I don't know why I did that and I was like when it came out I was like where are those darn red hats yeah there have never been hats in that scene (laughs) I asked you something too that I thought was interesting I said what is one of your the, the scene that you're proudest of in the current ETC show that Claire just mentioned and you told me uh, language is the name of the scene. And you're not even in that scene. No. And you're proud of it. Can you tell us what that scene's about and why you're proud of it? Uh, sure. So the scene is, uh, it's it's basically like a sweet uh, relationship scene between Tien and Jazbeer. And um, the twist of it or, or whatever uh, is that Tien only speaks in Vietnamese in the scene and Jazbeer only speaks in Spanish. Um but it's understood that they can understand each other. Um, and they just like have a conversation and are enjoying each other's company. And I think the thing that I really love about it uh, is that it's, it's hilarious and um, that it's such a strong like character scene and they do you know all the classic like checklist things they do a lot of great object work and they interact with each other and the environment's really clear and blah 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 blah. But I think the thing that I'm that I, I'm most proud about it being a part of a show that I'm in um, is that on so many different layers, I think it reaches out and touches people um, because we sort of live in a time right now where being from somewhere else is like viewed negatively or speaking other languages is like viewed negatively or like looking foreign, whatever that means to people. Or, uh, I mean, basically boils down to like not being a white person. Um, And just addressing that without having to say anything about it in a really like eloquent and beautiful way is so nice. Like it, it, it feels like it's making a statement without getting on a, on a soapbox about it. And it, there's not a single time we've done that scene where everyone in the house hasn't been like rooting for this couple. And I think in the times that we live in, to say that you can get an entire house of people who've never met each other before to root for two people who speak languages that the audience doesn't even understand... Um, is just like so powerful and and interesting and great. You're shaking your head, Claire. 
yeah, it's one of my favorite scenes in the whole show. And I just think it's the kind of scene that doesn't tell you how to feel. It allows you to feel what you as the writers and actors were feeling and what you wanted to say. And instead of like, like you said, instead of a soapbox, which we, I think, get a lot in our society, and I know I'm guilty of it, of like, this is what I think, so go ahead and think that too. And this instead just like puts up this beautiful scene, and I think we all kind of walk away with the same feeling, and that's so hard. Great, we're gonna take some questions now for both Claire and Alan. Uh, if we could turn the lights up, and uh, you've got some students, you're, some of your writing students here, Claire. You're your your family so uh just uh, put your hands up uh if if with a question for alan or claire or both yes uh, what are your backgrounds prior to studying improv and, and writing what are your backgrounds prior to improv and uh, writing <sighs> i worked in a cornfield for nine years <laughs> i don't know uh I honestly did not do any improv or that until I moved here to Chicago. I did theater very poorly in Nebraska. You might have heard about me as Dead Woman Number Three in Our Town or Monkey Number Two in The Jungle Book, but that was about it for me and that yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, I majored in English and did some improv in college, but I. I didn't really have any um, like direction or creative background until I just I stumbled over the comedy studies program, and then since then it's just basically been nonstop. <laughs> Great. Another question? Yes. Are you alluded to the fact that you were ready to move, and I guess it was when you found out that you were going to be in DPC. So, um, what? <laughs> well, I I love this city. I really do. I've just kind of felt ready for something different recently. And, you know, it's warm out in Chicago right now. So right now I love Chicago and I want to live here forever. But this was like in the middle of winter. I was like, I got to get out of this place. Because <laughs> I, I could technically work from anywhere that has okay Wi-Fi. But Alan's job is much more limited. So I'm aware of that and we work with that. When... Um Claire said to you, she turned down the, the boats um, and, and really the trajectory of working up the ladder at, uh, at Second City. What was your reaction to that? Uh, well, when she got the, it was <laughs> actually weird because before, I can't remember which one of us got the offer first. I want to say you, no me, no. I don't remember. You. It was me? Yeah. So I, I was offered a, a ship contract uh, right around the time that we were moving in together. And um, I was basically like, well, I'm moving in with my, at the time, girlfriend, so pass. I, I'd rather not um, go on a ship for three or four months and like miss miss the first four months of this really important part of our relationship development. Um, and I was like, but I'd still really like to work here? Question mark? Uh, and Beth was like, well, you know, this is... Beth Kliegerman. Right. Yeah. Um, she was like, this is like, this is one of those ways that we get people in the system and get them working and stuff. And I was like, oh, I understand, but I can't. I just can't do it right now. Um, and then Claire got the offer maybe a month later. So we were, we were separately offered 
ship contracts. Um, and Claire talked to me about it as well. And we were like, you know, if I, and I was basically like, if that's something you want to do, then just go do it. Like, it'd be fun. Um, and Claire just decided she didn't want to. So she didn't. And that was it. Yep. <laughs> Another question. Uh, yes, right here. Thank you, Mom. Which one is... But just just to clarify, can you? which one of us is which of those? Do you think that's what makes your relationship and as comedians and as writers work? Your mom asked a great question. One is logical. One is uh, speaks from the heart. Uh, does that make your comedy and your relationship work? I guess it matters if you think Spock and Captain Kirk were the greatest team of all time. I have no nothing to add. Okay. <laughs> Great. One more question? Yeah, right here. Uh, for both of you, uh, when did you realize that you were funny? At what age? When did you realize you were funny? What age? What age? I think I realized I was funny before I was actually funny. <laughs> I have always found myself to be hilarious. And I'll tell Alan on days that I'm feeling extra hilarious. But... I'm not sure she, I've ever actually been funny. She will literally funny. tell me. Okay, so this. we're gonna we're gonna hold this because we've got we're gonna see, we do research on this show a lot of times. Oh. When did you realize that? You, there, is there something a, a time when this is we're going to your parents? They're in the audience. Where cl- something sticks out that Claire was funny. Okay, we're gonna go to your dad. We haven't heard from him. He's a professional. What do you do for a living? So I am a scientist. Okay. And it's funny that Claire ended up with Dr. S- uh, Dr. Spock. Okay. So when we went to parent-teachers conference. How old is she at this time? She was very young. Kindergarten. She's kindergarten. We walked in the room and the teacher said, you're Claire Meyer's parents. <laughs> <laughs> and just gave us that look. And every teacher we went to kept saying, oh, so you're Claire's parents. <laughs> and was she funny at home? I thought so. <laughs> and yes. She more thought so than I, because I was her mother trying to steer her in the correct, correct, correct direction. But uh, yes, she was funny even at a young age. I would have. Did you try to control her funniness? Were you kind of uncomfortable at the beginning? Um, I would say I was, but I was also very proud that she did not have to be like everybody else in her class. She went to her own drummer and stuck with that from four years old and on. And, and, and was that challenging at times as a parent? For me, not so much for her. And what did you like about Claire just doing her own thing? Loved it. Yep, follow your heart, Claire. Oh, oh is that not yeah. sweet? <laughs> Alan, when did you realize that you were funny? Uh, I, think, I think it's something that I have to constantly like rediscover. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's something... Uh, that I, I assume a lot of people feel similarly about where you go through kind of like I feel like growth in, in this art form for whatever reason, reason happened in like fits and starts as opposed to like a curve or like a line um, so I feel like you hit you hit your next like peak or plateau or whatever and then you go through a long period of time where you're like I feel like I am garbage at everything I do all the time um, and then you figure out what it is that's like holding you back or what the next step is and then you take that step and you kind of like 
make a little leap and you're like, yeah, I'm the best. Uh, ha ha. I'm funny. Uh, and then you peek out again. Uh, and it just sort of like, is this like staircase of development? So I, I think it's something that, uh, I always knew I really enjoyed making people laugh, but that every so often I have to like, sometimes I <laughs> make her do it where I'm like, I need to, I just need someone to tell me I'm good. Like I just need, need someone to tell me I'm good so that I can like, and that's Remember why I'm the funny I, one in the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> is that true? Would you say? No, no. I am loud and not funny. And Alan is quiet and very funny. Would okay. you say that's true? I think Clara cracks me up all the time. So I don't know. I don't think that's true. Oh, that's sweet. I think she, I don't disagree that she is loud. <laughs> and then in terms of confidence, because I love this, you know, in the podcast, people speaking honestly about confidence and losing confidence and getting it back. When you lose your confidence, you know, because it does happen, at least <laughs> for me the last 25 years, <laughs> how, how do you help each other pick each other up? Um, Alan is also very logical. When they, With this, like, I'll be like, I'm in such a slump. I can't write for anything these days. Like, da, da, da. He'll just look at me and be like, this happens every couple of months and it's usually done in two days. And like, <laughs> for some reason, that's very comforting. Where I'm like, oh, I do say this exact same thing every couple of months. But like, Dr. Allen over here figures it out. What about you, Alan? You've done a show at ETC. Maybe it hasn't gone well. You come home and you talk to Claire. And, and you, how does she talk you off the ledge? Um, <laughs> well, because I, I feel like my approach is always like, this isn't working. And I need to understand, like, I need to, like unpack it and figure out why so that I can change it or fix it. Um, so there are, Claire has two avenues of approach and one of them is like really hashing it out with me and helping me um, as like a sounding board and like um, sort of di helping me diagnose like what the thing is and helping point me in a direction to fix whatever uh, thing I think is not working or is wrong. Um, and then the other avenue, which doesn't, doesn't work for me as well, which is where she's just like, no, you're great. Like, and like is very kind. <laughs> the kindness doesn't work, I guess is what I'm trying to. I can relate to that. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think uh, for whatever reason, people saying like, Oh, this is good, or you are good. Um, is it's not something I can quantitatively use to do anything with. I the more I talk, Claire the more I sound laughing. like a goddamn machine. Claire is just laughing. Claire is just laughing. <laughs> What's so funny about this, Claire? He's just such a sweet robot. Like <laughs> We've got to wrap this up, and we end the podcast the same way. Uh, and I actually, I'm going to ask your parents a question, and then we're going to go to you. And the question usually is, uh, for you guys, uh, is what what one piece of advice would you give to an improviser starting out today? And I'm going to ask your parents, knowing what they know now, what one piece of advice would you give to parents uh, if they knew they had a, a funny kid? So we'll start with your parents and then we'll go to you. So knowing your kid is really funny when, when you're younger, what one piece of advice would you give to a parent? Well, I, I would echo what Marianne said earlier, and that is just, you know, everybody's different and they just need that everybody doesn't have to be like the other person. So let them be who they are. Great. And what did you learn uh, with, with having Claire as a daughter? What would you do differently to, to support that, that funniness? All I can say is that when people would say, 
oh, you're Claire Meyer's mother, I would say, really, I really am trying with that child. (laughs) (laughs) And that was, and we did, we talked about it a lot, because we had a scientific daughter that was very, uh, you know, you had to follow the routine, and then we had Claire, and so we just went with her. What did you learn uh, having Claire as a daughter, as a person? they learn so much. a lot having Claire as a daughter um, because I am also scientific and I think in that sort of mind meld. But Claire has opened me up to just even coming to a live podcast that, you know, I would never usually do. But for Claire, I would do anything. Your daughter is a miracle because you're both very logical, right, people? Right. Oh, amazing. So what, Claire, what piece of advice would you give someone starting out in improv today? Uh... Just go forth and create shit. <laughs> and I, literally how I end every class I have with people. Like, it sounds so stupid, but just go create. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's dumb. I don't care if it lands. As long as you dig it, someone else will too. Great. And Alan? Um, I would say ignore, ignore the path or ignore the, like, um, milestone markers that you... I think we're trained to see, like obtaining certain things or going through certain training programs or um, getting certain jobs to be indicators of success or growth. Ignore all of that. Forget all of that. And just work on creating or being a part of shows you wish already existed or that you would want to go see. Great. Thank you so much. I want to thank your parents, the Myers from Indianapolis. I want to thank Claire and Alan Linick for being our guests on Improv Nerd. Thank you so much. And there you have it. Another episode of Improv Nerd is in the can. And I want to thank our guests today, Alan and Claire Lennick and Claire's parents, the Myers, from coming all the way down from Indianapolis, Indiana, and bringing their friends to support us. I really, really appreciate that. Also, I'd like to thank my director, Sam Bowers, who directs the live version of Improv Nerd. And my producer, Dan Schiffmacher. He's the one who makes me so... Sounds so slick and so professional. If it wasn't for Dan, you probably wouldn't be hearing my voice right now. Also, a big thanks to the Second City Training Center and Jesse Swanson for uh, hosting us and treating us like such rock stars at the Second City Training Center in Chicago. If you want more information about me and my award-winning intensives, workshops, and classes called The Artist Low Comedy, go to my website, jimmycarane.com. And while you're at jimmycarane.com, sign up for my Improv Nerd newsletter. Every week, I will send out a new, freshly new, freshly written, most of the time, freshly new and freshly written blog that will make you a better improviser and a better person. Also, follow us on Facebook, and we are at Improv Nerd, and like us, because it really helps with my low self-esteem. And Twitter, follow us at Improv underscore Nerd on Twitter, and I'm going to brag about this because I love this, our YouTube channel, which uh, has uh, clips from our live show, and that is Improv Nerd Podcast, all one word. We're also blessed to be part of, I think, the best podcast collective out there, and that is feralaudio.com, some of the most hilarious podcasts out there, 
are on feralaudio.com, so check them out. And if you want to support this podcast and Feral, before you go to Amazon to buy something, do me a favor. Go to feralaudio.com and hit the Amazon Buy button. And some, a couple pennies come our way, a couple pennies go to, to Feral, and it's just a great way to support this podcast and all the great work that Feral Audio is doing. And of course, I want to thank you. And until next time, remember, walk, don't run. Let's say uh, Seinfeld was on an island and he was blowing Boris Karloff. What would would that be like? (laughs) It might go something like this. Oh, Mr. Karloff, I loved you and Frankenstein and I love giving you a blowjob. Why, Mr. Seinfeld, I'd love having you 